Welcome to Focus on the Light, a weekly Come Follow Me podcast. This following along with the program, this one on Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1, which as I was preparing my own lessons for this in my seminary classes and also thinking about this podcast, I really had no idea what I was going to talk about. I knew that Matthew started one with all the begotting and I just wasn't sure what to do. And then I really loved what this, uh, this week had to do. I want to start this episode with an activity before we get into the scriptures and talking about them. The activity has to do with the scriptures, I promise. Um, So I want you to set a timer. You can pause the the episode. Set a timer for 40 seconds, and then I just want you to quickly make a list of all the things you would say potentially if you were speed dating and you were giving 30 seconds to a minute to introduce yourself in this speed dating type thing. What would you say about you got 40 seconds to write it down? So go ahead and pause this. This was an activity I did with my seminary class, and it was really fun to watch them all go through and, and say things about themselves. And then afterwards, to come back together and say, what were the types of things that we said, the, the main things that we kept repeating about ourselves, whether we repeat the exact same thing or branched out? And, it, you know, the basics, like your name and your age for them, they're in high school, so what grade they were in, those types of things. Uh, but then the other things like maybe if you're older, if you're going to school or what school you go to, your job, sports hobbies that you're into, your favorite color, your favorite food, favorite movie, favorite music, those types of stuff. If you have pets, how many siblings you have, or random quirky fun facts about yourself. Just all the basic things we would think when kind of explaining to someone who we are and, and, and introducing ourselves. However, looking at this list of things that you wrote down, if this activity worked right, none of these things that we wrote down or that we came up with in my seminary class adequately answer the question, who are you? Yet they're the things that we give an answer to the question, who we are. And there's a lot of reasons for this. The main one is because the world has made us believe that these things are who we are. And having those things taken away from us or being told that those aren't who we are, you start to question, well, well, who actually am I? Who am I? And what am I supposed to do about it? What am I supposed to do to be who I am? you know, a very real question that we have to answer. Now, as part of that, kind of a second question is, even if I knew who I was, how could I say everything important about myself in such a short amount of time? What is most important about me and how can I get that across quickly? So I want you to keep that in mind with introductions and what the important things that you would say about yourself as we start studying in Matthew. Because Matthew does start with all the begotting. It, it's 17 verses. Yeah, 17 verses. And if I did my math right, it's like 42 or 47. I can't remember. Generations of people that Matthew goes through to get to Jesus Christ and all his great-great-grandparents. And the speed dating that you wrote down, and definitely when I observed my seminary class, nobody whips out their family tree and says, my 42nd great-great-great-great-grandfather is, and he gave birth to so-and-so, and he gave, and so-and-so. And you go through the generations, that, that, that isn't what anybody does. But it's what Matthew does in our inter- introduction to Jesus Christ. If, if Matthew is writing about the life of Jesus Christ and wanting us to know who Jesus Christ is, this is an interesting place for me to start. You have to keep in mind that Matthew is writing this for the people of his day just as much as we're benefiting it from, from now. So looking at Matthew's purpose, in his day, many people knew Jesus Christ but didn't really know who he was. They knew him during his life, but they really didn't accept him as the savior of the world. 
They had an incorrect understanding of who he was. And Matthew wanted to change that with his writing. He wants to introduce people to the proper, real version of Jesus Christ to answer the question, who is Jesus Christ? Matthew wants the people to understand that properly because for so long, they truly didn't understand who he was. So he starts with Jesus Christ's lineage to prove that he is a descendant of David because that was one of the big prophecies of the Messiah, that he would be a descendant from David. The Jews, however, believe that to mean that he would be a king. Now, Jesus is a king, but they imagined that he would be a king with rules and power so that he could come and deliver them from Roman captivity. They'd they'd been captured so many times over, they were waiting for deliverance from physical captivity, and so they were expecting the Messiah to be a king from the descendant of David who could free them and, and would be a king like David. The teaching is correct that he is a king and a savior who would come to deliver him as a descendant of David, but they misunderstood the teachings. So now to answer the question, who we are, if Matthew is answering the question, who is Jesus Christ, we answer the question for ourselves and we start with our own lineage. Of course, that is your family heritage, but it's also your divine heritage as a son or daughter of God, as a child of God, which is a truth we are told so frequently that I think like the Jews, we frequently misunderstand because of how many times we've been told it and the things we start to think about it. And so it makes you wonder, how can I learn what the actual truth is? What what does it actually mean to be a child of God? Am I understanding this truth properly? So I invite you to do this activity as well. Another activity I did in my seminary class, you can pause and do it. But to make a T-chart, right? So you have a line going down and a line across. And at the top, you write, I'm a child of God. That is the truth that we are comparing. And on the left, you, you label it incorrect. And the right, you label it correct. And those are the two sections of your T. And on the left, you write, what are the incorrect truths that we might come to believe or misunderstand by being told this so many times throughout our life? And then on the right, okay, what is the actual truth related to this misunderstanding that we have? So applying it to the Jews, that the Messiah would be a descendant of David is the truth. Their misunderstanding of it is that he would be a king who would come and free them. So, Two quick examples, and then you can work on the T-chart on your own. Two of them from my seminary students that I really loved. Uh, On the incorrect understanding of what it means to be a child of God, we are entitled to a worry-free or almost trial-free life. So what is the actual truth? We are entitled to growth. Now, the other one, perfection, and everything related to perfection and how we are and, and, and all of that. Just incorrect understandings about perfection. On the right side, that we can become perfect. That is our divine destiny, not our current state. So pause the episode, fill your T-chart, and take a chance to learn what it actually means to be a child of God. And as I answered that question, what does it actually mean to be a child of God? You get to a point where you understand there's a responsibility associated with that that we have as we understand that, which is we can look at the example of the Savior as well. As he lived in a world where people did not understand his divine calling or his divine identity. They misunderstood the teachings, and he continually was trying to explain them what the teachings actually meant and to declare himself as the Messiah, as the one who had been prophesied who would come. And there's this wonderful video from the Bible videos where Jesus Christ declares he is the Messiah. I will link the video below. I'm also going to play the audio in a second. Um, But to explain the video, in the temple, the people could come together 
uh, and read a scripture in the temple. Now, before we get to the temple, I forgot to mention, Jesus Christ has been performing uh, some miracles in the land of Canaan, uh, I believe, if I have the story right. Um, anyway, he, in another land, he's been performing miracles and comes back to Jerusalem and the, the rumors start to spread that Jesus Christ has been performing miracles and they're, they're kind of wondering, you know, the gossips about who is this guy. So he goes to the temple where they have the chance to read from the scriptures in front of people who are there attending. And Jesus Christ stands up and he reads a scripture from Isaiah when Isaiah is prophesying about the Messiah who will come and Jesus reads it and then professes that that scripture has been fulfilled, professing himself as the Messiah. And the people get upset with him because they don't like that idea and they throw him out of the temple. So as you watch the video, which you can pause and watch again, it's linked below, or as you just listen to the audio that I'll play, I want you to consider the question because then we're going to apply it to ourselves. Jesus Christ had to stand up in front of a bunch of non-believers and had to live up to his divine identity, which is the same responsibility that we all have. In doing so, in professing his divine identity and truly understanding what that means in a group of people who chose for some reason to not believe in what that actually means, do you think that Jesus Christ was nervous at all as he professed himself to be the Messiah? Have a listen or a watch. What do you think? Was he nervous? kulam tzadikim le'olam yirshu aretz Hakiton The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind. to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Ye will surely say unto me, Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. Verily I say unto you, 
no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, but unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Tzarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel, and none of them were cleansed, saving Naaman, the Syrian. I love that video because I think it's a wonderful question to ponder. Was Jesus Christ nervous as he owned up to his divine identity and, and who he understood himself to truly be, uh, despite the crowd that he found himself acquainted with? Because each one of us, as we come to understand ourselves as children of God, will understand that he, meaning God, will ask things of us. He will ask us to do things and to be a certain way. He has always done that. And... I want you to take some time, be it right now or, or another time when you have a chance, to sit down and read in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 37, which is when the angel appears to Mary and tells her that she will give birth to the Savior. And I want you to pray specifically and listen to the Holy Ghost as you study those few verses. What is God asking you to do? Mary was being asked to give birth to the Savior of the world. You will not be asked to do that. But God will ask you to do something. And I invite you to pray and then to study those verses with that question. What is he asking you to do? So as you have come to answer that question yourself, as you studied, what is God asking you to do? And you have your answer. And you think back to Jesus Christ as he lived up to his answer and professed himself to the Messiah, whether he be nervous or not. It makes me wonder, what do people understand that help them to act upon those things with courage? Be it Jesus Christ, yourself, other people in your life, or Mary, when we are told to do things by God, to live a certain way, to go against the status quo, I think it's understandable that we're nervous. What truths would help a person to act with courage? What truths did Mary understand, un understand that allowed her to act, act with courage? What comes to mind to me is in Luke chapter 1, let me turn to it real quick, um, about Mary that makes me think, what did she understand? Um, and I got to find the right verse. Uh, so the angel tells her that she's going to give birth to the Savior, that he will be the Messiah, his name will be Jesus, and all of those wonderful things. And then Luke chapter 1, verse 34 then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? She very honestly asks a fair question. She's being told by an angel of God that she's going to do something remarkable, but she understands the circumstances of her life and doesn't understand how it's going to happen. So she asks a very direct question, which is a wonderful thing to do. She had the faith to ask the question. She receives an answer that the Holy Ghost will come upon her, as uh, verse 35 says. But what I love is Mary's response to that. In verse 38, and Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. 
What did Mary understand that allowed her to act in courage? I think she understood that what God said goes, and not in like a strict parent way, but that Heavenly Father has a plan, and what he has planned will happen. As the scripture right before that says, for with God nothing shall be impossible, that when God declares for us to do something, he provides a way to accomplish it, and that the work he is asking us to do is something that he is planning on us doing that the work he is asking us to be a part of is something that will be successful. Of the many truths that we can learn that will help us act in courage, I think those are two of them, specifically from the beginning that we can see and understand that Mary knew. Now, one other truth that I might add to that, as Elder Holland just taught in the young adult uh, devotional that just happened, that God always gives us what we need, that as all things are possible with him, he will always give us what we need. Now, with all that in mind, I wanted, I'm, I'm really on this video thing, I guess, and pausing and, and watching and doing other things during this podcast. It's kind of not normal, but this other video where the angel comes and appears to Mary and tells her that, that she will uh, give birth to the Savior. There's just a lot about the production of the video and the performance of the, the, the actress who plays Mary that makes it feel very real. And if you want to watch the video, because playing it won't do it alone, you got to see it. I want you to pay attention. If you're going to watch it, you don't have to. What about Mary helps her act with courage? What can you see in her that helps her act with courage? Something to me that come, came to mind as I watched that video is that for her, she was in tune with the Spirit. Before the angel appears, you can tell that something is weighing on her mind, that she's ponderous, that she's very in tune spiritually, and that she's slowing down. I think that being in tune with the Holy Ghost helped her to act with courage. Now, one last truth that I just want to tack on the end and conclude this episode very briefly. As we think about all that God will give us as he always gives us what we need and how everything is possible with him as we act in courage, trusting that his work does work out, I want to be honest in addressing the reality that sometimes those things we need or the things that we need made possible with the help of God are not happening. And first, it just invites, it gives us an opportunity to take a moment and look at do we, our, our understanding of what we need. Do we have a misunderstanding of the teaching of what we need? Go back and do that T-chart activity again. Is what you feel you need actually what you need or do you have a misunderstanding of it? Something that I've had to do since just the devotional that Elder Holland gave when he said that. But with that in mind, as we hope for and wait for the things that God will give us to make all things possible with him, as the scriptures say, sometimes we're left waiting for a while. And as we learn from the experience of Zachariah and Elizabeth, there's not really scripture in specific that I can point to with this. There are experiences in Luke chapter 1, verse 5 through 26, uh, when Zacharias is told that, that he will have a child. Um, but there's a principle in it that I love, that individuals who wait for God's possibilities to happen, greater, more incredible blessings come. Zacharias and Elizabeth could have had a child and not waited, so to speak. You know, maybe, maybe God would have given them that sooner. But their willingness to wait upon the Lord or they could have given up and could have never received that blessing. So their, so their willingness to wait upon the Lord not only brought them a child, but brought them a child who grew up to be John the Baptist, 
who Jesus Christ himself said was greater than a prophet. John the Baptist is a remarkable individual, and what a, what a, what a blessing to have him as your child. Waiting upon the Lord brings blessings that are greater than those we would be given without waiting. Sometimes waiting is sacred, so keep that in mind as you wait for all things in your life to be made possible with God, because that principle and that doctrine is still true, that all things are possible with him because he wins, and he always will, and he will continue to win. So trust in him and act in courage because of what you know about him, that he makes things possible, which I testify of in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to another episode of Focus on the Light. My name is Harrison, and I love talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you benefited from this and you would like to share it, there is a link below where you can share this podcast with anyone so they can find it wherever they listen to podcasts. Focus on the Light is a weekly Come Follow Me podcast intended to help specifically youth and young adults to not just learn about the gospel, but to apply it and see the reality that it can take in their lives. Focus on the Light wherever you get podcasts. Thank you for listening. And I'll talk to you next week.